Women Up Radio, designed to facilitate women's empowerment, improve your career, develop your talents, incorporate your passions, achieve fulfillment and success. Hello, this is Women Up Radio, supporting Empower Women. And today we're talking about ageism in the workplace and empowering the older woman. I'm joined in the studio by my guest, Karen Sands, leading gerofuturist and thought leader on the longevity economy and ageless aging. So welcome to the program, Karen. I'm so glad to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. So first of all, can you explain to us what is a gerofuturist? Because I'm sure most people won't know. And what inspired you to become one? Great question, and one I'm asked quite often, actually. (laughs) So I became a futurist uh, sort of by default. Um, In my uh, late 20s, early 30s, I moved into financial services uh, from having run and led and started many, many women's centers in the uh, United States and the East Coast. And so here I was, this entrepreneur and this feminist (laughs) entering financial services, and I knew nothing about pensions, having been an educator prior to. And so I had to dive deep into learning what does it mean? What does retirement mean? What does the future look like for aging? What uh, What does retirement and aging have to do with women? So I dove very deep and the company, fortunately for me, invested in me becoming a futurist. And a futurist is not someone that looks at a crystal ball or reads tea leaves, although that's fun to do. It has nothing to do with what I do. (laughs) (laughs) It's really looking at trends and what the alternative possible scenarios might be so that we can make knowledgeable, informed actions and decisions, whether we're in corporate leadership or in our personal lives or as entrepreneurs, it doesn't really matter. Um, And so it's a big picture scope based on real science and real knowledge. I call it foresight and insight. I use my own insight, obviously, because that's where I come from, along with the foresight. So that's the futurist part. So in my work in financial services as a change agent and mucky muck back then, um, what I found was that I was getting dragged into, if you would, by hook or crook, by many personal things that happened to me, but also because of this corporate career, into the aging space. And where I landed and found my passion was women, aging, and the future. So it wasn't until a few years ago, actually, that I felt very bifurcated. Was I a futurist? Was I a coach? Was I a feminist? Was I a gerontologist? What am I? And so I came up with, well, what I am is unique. So I created a new field, if you would, or a subfield called gerofuturing. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Huh. Okay. That makes it much clearer. Thank you. Good. Good. (laughs) Okay. I'm asked all the time. It's wonderful. That's why it's a great term because people say, oh, what's that? Yeah. You said without aging, it would go nowhere, you know? Yes. Yep. Exactly. And I know... Many of us in the West, particularly me, are concerned because there seems to be very little respect or value for us as we age, comparing it to the East. Because in the East, like places like Japan and things like that, they seem to really value their elders and value the experience and honour them. So why do you think we don't have this in the West? Where has it gone? Because it must have been there originally, but it seems to have disappeared. 
Well, I think at least I can speak for the U.S. for the moment. Um, and uh, clearly it was there with our Native Americans. I mean, right. elders have always been regarded with great honor. Um, but in our own society here in the U.S., and very similarly in, in the U.K., because I lived there for a number of years, so I remember that crossover, um, it's a youth-driven society. Everything is youth, 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 youth. And much of that, of course, comes from, um, you know, the business world, the marketing world, um, which I was a part of. But we focus, 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 and always have on the youth orientation. What's the youth market doing? So that, that really curbs it in a negative, you know, a, a, nevative, a negative space. Yeah. Um, but, but additionally, it's the patriarchy. And we have a very strong patriarchy in the U.S., in the U.K., in the West, that, that really puts the feminine and the female at a, at a lower perch, far lower perch. Yeah. Um, and when you take that and aging and put it together, it, it's, it's a non-issue. It's, it's a non-interest up until recently. There is a shift going on, but what's going on now, it has to be claimed by the women ourselves. We need to claim our place in our space as older women. And I see it happening. I hate to use the word movement because I was very much a part of the women's movement of the 70s. I wasn't a broad burner, but I was very, very active starting women's centers. But there's a different, that, that, that was a revolution that we needed to have. Um, and, I, and as I said, I, I was more of a liberal feminist than a radical feminist, if you would. Yeah. Um, but the same thing applies to aging now. I see things popping up. Um, someone had something like radical aging. Someone said we have to have, uh, you know, a movement against ageism. And I, I yes and no. Yes, we need to raise awareness all over the world about the value of who we are, especially in the longevity economy. We're living to ages of over 100. Yes. So, of course, we have to value. We have another, I, I'm 73, so I have another 30 years, I hope. Yeah. You know, yeah. hopefully. Yeah, um, of course. So this is really, really, really um, an important shift that's going on. But I think the real thing that we have to do is not just start a movement of raising awareness about ageism and anti-aging, yeah. but we have to find the antidote, which I believe is my work, and that's why I brought it out. It, the Ageless Way, which is the name of my book, is that it is the answer. We need to know, okay, so we know ageism sucks. We know we don't want it. We know anti-aging is a marketing ploy that is just all about money. It's not about lifting us up, right? Yeah. But the ageless way is the answer. It is a new story. And that new story is really going to be brought out by women leading the way. We have to declare that space that yeah. says old, elder people, older people, midlife people, we are all of tremendous value and we have so much more to give for the next 30 years. But, you know, ageism cuts both ways, though, Anna, and I want to make sure I get that across, especially in corporate America, is that the ageism is we're either too young or we're too old. Yeah. It's not just about the older people. So the beauty of bringing together these potentially five generations in the workplace at one time is if we can get over the um, journalistic nonsense about the gap that divides us, because there is no gap. That's made up. Yeah. What brings us together are our values and our visions, and that we need the young people to bring their youthful innovation and new ideas to combine with 
all of the rest of us with our knowledge and know-how and experience and wisdom. Together, we can make everything happen. Yeah. Not yeah. together, we won't. Yeah, I agree totally. But what do you find when talking about corporate America, but not just America, corporate anywhere, because a lot of countries, there's a real ageism policy where you know you hit 45 and you're definitely on the slippery slope you hit 50 forget it so what can we do I mean particularly as women because it's like we've got the double whammy we're we're older so in the workplace what can we do to combat the challenges of being pushed to one side at work as we age because it's happening everywhere Yeah, I think that's a double-edged sword question, really, because, yes, we have to be prepared for this. And, yes, women, we we, uh, unfortunately, we are conflating sexism and ageism together in the workplace. There is no doubt about it. And this is true whether you're small or large, you know, a a company. It does not matter. But where it comes to is that we as women first have to own, and I feel very strongly about this, or maybe concurrently, we have to own our own inner ageist. Yes. It is a powerful inner dynamic. Because you can try to, you know, uh, plaster a sign over ageism and cover it up, right? But if you haven't dealt with what's going inside in your own inner ageist and inner patriarch, which is clearly putting up obstacles, then it won't matter what else changes. We have to change first and alongside. As far as in the corporation, I'll tell you about a story. I'm working with a current client. This happens all the time. I'm hearing more and more about it. She is now uh, 58. I actually started working with her when she was uh, either late 20s or early 30s, on and off over the years. As she moved to different corporations and different levels and different salary levels and opportunities, et cetera, et cetera. And she came back again recently. Yeah. Because she's in a major U.S. corporation. Yeah. And the signs were obvious. She was being told things like, oh, you know, I'm so tired. This is her manager. I'm so tired. The guy's 40 years old, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, getting old. And he'd start dropping these all of these little lines in meetings, in emails, all inferring that she, who was the oldest on the team, yeah. was clearly too old. Mm-hmm. So one of the first things I had her start doing was in a very personal um, one-to-one situation, pointing these things out. Yeah. There was total amazement, number one, that she realized what he was doing, obviously, between yes. you and I and the group and, and whoever's listening to us. But it was also for him to see that he was clearly doing this over and over and over again. Yes. This was the red light for me, or the caution light even before the red light, that she was being moved out. Yeah. So what we started to do was move her out on her own and start building the strategy for re-careering her and finding new opportunities. So there are times when women have to own that and say, okay, I got to move out of here. It's not going to happen. But if you're in a leadership position, you have the opportunity as a woman to call it as you see it and to bring in the research and people like me who can speak to this, to the incredible value of older people, but especially women. You had talked about being old, you know, the 45, whatever it used to be. We were over the hill at 30. 
Yeah. Right now, 60%, or I have it written down somewhere, I may not have it exactly right in my memory, but it's a very high percentage, very, very high percentage of senior executives and CEOs who are all above 50. Yes. Yeah. So that's where it has to start. It has to start with an honest conversation. And if you're a woman on the board or a woman in top leadership, you're the one that has to start making the inroads. But it also has to be each and every one of us. We have to cancel it out in ourselves. We have to cancel it out in our languaging and in our view of who we are. The opportunity for women as leaders has never been better. Dalai Lama and I agree. This is the women's time. And uh, we, I am so excited about the potential for women as leaders and as entrepreneurs. And that brings me to the next piece. If you end up being in a, in a larger corporation, let's say, and you say, you know, I just can't change it. It's, it's, it's just, you know, uh, what do I want to say? Pounding at me constantly, even when it's subtle. Then you may want to be considering re-careering and going the entrepreneurial route. I mean, the entrepreneurial route for women is phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yes. Especially older women. Yeah. I know it's wonderful. I think it's the, the best opportunity to flourish, to grow, to have fun. I think, but I love anything to do with entrepreneur. I think it gives you so much scope. But exactly. Exactly. The other thing is too, I mean, you can, you can also decide to start having meetups at, at work where yeah. you talk about these issues, you know, back in the, what was it? Seventies and eighties, we had the diversity workshops. Um, and that was about, you know, respecting women and women in the workplace. Now it's another story. Now it's how do we bring the age groups together? How do we value older people and especially women? And it has to start now. You are listening to Anna Letitia Cook at Women Up Radio. Do you think the the way we're regarded at work as older people, women and men, but I mean particularly women, do you think it's different depending on sector and level of responsibility in the company or is it general just age? And also does it differ between the public sector and private sector. <laughs> you know, I want to say that it's so rampant and it's so embedded that I, I would say it's all sectors and all levels. I think the difference is when you've gotten to an upper level as an executive woman, right? You have more clout. You can point to a bottom line you've impacted. So when you bring up these topics, you're heard more than someone, let's say, that's down line. Yeah. You know, um, but it's rampant all over and men are beginning to face it. Women will always face it much more so, much, much more so. But you see, we're in something that I want to make sure everyone hears me say. We're in a new economic reality yeah. and it's called the longevity economy. And what that really means, let me define it for you and for your audience. It's really the sum of all economic activity, all economic activity. Currently, at least in the U.S., it's $7.1 trillion. And it's projected to more than double by 2032. And what that means is anything that has something to do with serving the needs of people 50 plus. I like referring really to 40 plus because, you know, that, that's where it's at. We're in middle, midlife, you know. Yeah. But, um, 
but it's all of that. So that whole economy, if women can grip hold of that and bring that research and bring that power into the corporate offices, that is what will start changing because it's always about bottom line. And I was a bottom line change agent, you know, billions of dollars under my management. So I know that that's what drives it. You know, that's what drives it. So if we can tie our value and there's so much research, which we don't have time necessarily. Oh, wait, I have some numbers I could tell you. Let me see if I have this one. Yeah, here's one. The Sloan Center on Aging and Work estimates that about 38% of small business owners are 60 or older. Really? In the U.S. In the yeah. U.S., obviously. Um, and that's going to get more and more and more so. Um, and I know here that 68% of respondents believe that leadership is in crisis in America. I am sure that is global. Ah, it's interesting. Really yeah. Interesting. I mean, you see, there's, there's another thing, Kerry, Kerry Wielden of Fab After 50, she's a, an expert on 50 plus in the UK. Ah, good. And she was talking and she said that now in the UK, there's a lot of negative talk about the perception of older workers taking jobs away from the young uh-huh. But she thinks the opposite because she thinks that older workers really benefit local economies and that then leads to more jobs for younger people, which sounds similar to, to what you're saying with older people being business owners. So yes. what do you think when, when people attack saying no, older people are taking jobs away from the young? What's your feeling about that? Uh, it goes back to that gap I talked about, um, the gap between the generations, which I think is being fed outside the organizations, you know, media, yep. et cetera. So um, it's nonsense. There's this thought that um, the older people are clogging up, you know, the paths up to higher levels, right? But the reality is the corporate, at least in corporate, we've now tried to flatten it. We haven't flipped pyramid yet but we certainly flattened the pyramid or the hierarchy right so i don't think there's anybody clogging up anything but what we can do is bring again make our teams um intergenerational we can't solve the business problems or the social problems of our world and our times without doing it together that's exactly what it comes down to so that's hogwash the skills and and gifts that the younger uh, people, millennials, uh, Gen, uh, Gen Xs, etc., and they're really more midlife, but they have so much to bring to us. I mean, my whole team, which is virtual, are all millennials. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I need their support. I, I can't do this in this new world without in this digital age. I can't. I can't yeah. possibly. And they're so innovative. And what I love about them is that they don't, they don't see differences as differences, they see differences as assets. Yes. You know, like they, they don't have that film over that I know I was brought up with, you yeah. know? Yeah, exactly. So they bring so much. Whereas the people in their 40s and people in their 50s and 60s and 70s have the knowledge and experience. It's not that one is better than the other. It's that we need each other, you yeah. know? So it's up to how we create our teams. Like I have what I call an age audit. And it kind of asks these basic, basic questions, whether it's HR, the board, or president of a corporation, or managers. What percentage of your workforce in your, in your, in your division or wherever you are 
you know, is made up of people who are over 40, over 50. What about over 20? You know, and looking at those numbers, so you get a real sense of what is the age, um, the age story in our company, in our culture. And then bring together people to start creating cross or intergenerational teams. You know, when I was in corporate, one of the last things I did there, which was an amazing experience, I was way ahead of the game back then, but, you know, now it's more common. But back then, I left in 88. So prior to that, um, I was leading teams, purely intrapreneurial. Uh, it, It was phenomenal. And it was all mixed ages. But what it was is we came together and put our minds and our imaginations together. And the results blew all the results in the past. Yeah. Totally a change. Yeah. That's what we need now. Yeah. And I know also you've, you've been um, on the White House Task Force for Innovative Learning and the Huston Institute's study on workforce, I think 2000 and 2020. Yes. And you were at the White House Conference on Aging. So obviously you really totally understand everything that's necessary for the older person in the corporate world Mm -hmm. what do you think they can do because we have to admit they're still very ageist they haven't quite clicked on the idea that the the older worker is so valuable and so helpful what do you think they should do realistically to support and improve the opportunities for an aging workforce because the older we get, the healthier we are. Each mm-hmm. generation lives longer. And with the changes in retirement ages and pensions, et cetera, et cetera, um, I know some countries now retirement has been pushed back to the age of 70 or something like yeah. that. So, we don't, you know, and a retirement age is, is ridiculous. It's, it's outmoded. We don't need a retirement age. We need a refirement age, but we don't need a retirement age. <laughs> That is that that is that is clear. So let me go back to thinking about what you really what what is practical that can be done. Yeah. I think one thing it's it's really about education. I think we have to educate our senior executives because let's face it, they're the ones making the decisions. You know, the fish. Uh, what is it? The fish stinks from the head. So yeah. we have to go up to the head, right? I love that, that. Yeah, me too. That's where it all starts. I would like to get in with C-suite executives and boards and educate them. Because yeah. for one thing, they're all over that age. They're over 40. They're over 30. Yeah. So they need to be age educated, not uh, uh, number one, in their own ageism, yeah. in terms of their own future, because they're facing retirement coming down the road, right? Yeah. So they're facing theirs. One of the biggest worries is how do we find and keep top talent. Well, if you don't have an attitude about ageism, you'll get a lot more top talent. So that that's all part of the education. When we can get them educated, it will, if you would, trickle down to the rest of the organization. That's one of the main things to do. And I think much less like in the 70s diversity movement, we need to do that again. But now about the value of the older worker and I want to keep emphasizing this, the intergenerational teams. It is so critical. Yes. That's what's going to cover up that gap. That's what's going to erase the gap is by working together on things we all believe in. And, but for the individual, 
who's facing ageism and anti-aging in the workplace, um, you have to decide, are you in the right place for you? You know, I, I am a master coach and a career coach for many decades. So this is a concern for me. You know, you need to know when to get off the horse or when to ride the horse. So if this horse is ageist and there's no way you're breaking through, find another horse. Yeah, perfect, perfect. Any other last tips that you'd like to give us to take away? Yes, I think we all have to realize that we are marketable, whatever our age is, that we have value to add. But first we have to own it ourselves because I believe that we are the authors of the new story around aging, each of us. And together. And this is our time to rock our age, not to hide out. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Thank you so much, Karen. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Oh, thank you. I I wanted to add just one more thing. If people want to come together and talk more about this or connect more about this, I do have three Facebook groups. I have one is called The Greatness Challenge, Mm -hmm. and that's around my latest book that came out in June, also a number one bestseller on Amazon. Um, And the other two are new, and they're all about aging and aging in the workforce and aging in our lives and what does it mean to be ageless. One is called The Ageless Way Explorers Coalition. And that's for anyone that just wants to explore this topic and dig in and have a community around this topic. And the other one is on LinkedIn, and it's purely for professionals in the aging field or those who want to enter it. You kind of cross over, so I would see you in that too. (laughs) And that's called the Ageless Way Trailblazers Alliance, because I know the conversation has to start, and we have to have a place to start it together. We'd like to thank our guest, Karen Sands, leading gerofuturist and thought leader on the longevity economy and ageless aging, for sharing her expertise on ageism in the workplace and empowering the older woman. I'm Anna Letitia Cook. You've been listening to us at Women Up Radio. A big thank you to all of you, the listeners. I really hope you enjoyed hearing Karen. Please send in any questions or feedback to us. And you can find our social media and contact details through our website, which is womenupradio.com. Women Up Radio, designed to facilitate women's empowerment, improve your career, develop your talents, incorporate your passions, achieve fulfillment and success. 